Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this very special live edition of the Empire Podcast. Earlier in the year when Dexter Fletcher's Rocket Man, the movie that turns Elton John's life story into a musical, using his own music as a soundtrack and narrative backbone, a world away from more anodyne, straight down the middle musical biopics I could mention, I was so taken by the movie that we dedicated a spoiler special podcast to it, featuring an interview with Mr. Fletcher. That, by the way, is still available for you to listen to wherever you cast your pods. But another big fish remained elusive, Taron Edgerton, the man who plays Elton John so wonderfully in the film. We tried to make something happen for the pod, but couldn't quite get it off the ground. Until it is... A couple of weeks ago, when both Taron and Dexter were kind enough to pop along to a very special live podcast interview following a screening of Rocketman at the Picture House Central in London. You're about to hear a virtually unedited version of that Q&A. I've taken out a few ums and ahs, um... Uh, but otherwise, if you weren't lucky enough to be one of the 300 people in the audience that night, this is 99.9% of what they said. And it was a lot of fun, along with some interesting insights into the process of making Rocketman. Since that night, Taron has, of course, been nominated for a Golden Globe for his performance, but as you're about to hear, we started off a talk of another major nomination. Enjoy. Oh, look at that. So spontaneous. Oh, amazing. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our very special and very occasional Empire Podcast live interview specials. I should stop using the word special in these things. Uh, this one is dedicated to one of my favorite films of this year, Rocketman. Oh, yes. A musical biopic that rips up the rule book to tell the life story, or half the life story, of the artist formerly known as Reginald Dwight Elton John. Uh, you guys have just watched the movie again, which is good, because we're going to go full spoilers with our guests right from the off. Speaking of those guests, I thought for ages, well, a minute, about different intros for this tonight. You know, things like, Tuesday nights, all right for podcasting! <laughs> Or, are you ready? Are you ready for pod? Or, I guess that's why they call it podcasting. But, there's no need for that. Not when I could just simply say, please welcome the men behind Rocket Man. It's director and star, Dexter Fletcher and Taron Edgerton! Thank you. Ah, oh, well, well, well. I missed one moment to go for a wee, so when Dexter uh, goes <laughs> off on one, I'm just going to slip away, but I will be back. I mean, my introduction was about 25 minutes long. You could have just I gone ahead. could have fit it in there, couldn't I? <laughs> oh, well. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, not often I get the chance to say this in the Empire Podcast, but uh, Taryn, congratulations on your Grammy nomination. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. That one, I really, uh, I didn't see that one coming. But, um, what's, what's the acronym of all, th- there's a, like... EGOT. The EGOT. EGOT. It's the hardest one to get for an acronym. All right, let's not yep. get ahead of ourselves. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I just only heard that the other day, and I was like, oh, right, yeah. It was Jamie right. Bell who said it to me, in fact, yeah. that uh, the EGOT is the one. Absolutely. Slightly envious he was. He was definitely slightly envious. Because he doesn't have the pipes. We love him, but he doesn't have the pipes. Sorry, I've jumped in. Yeah. So it's uh, it's Grammy, Oscar, Tony, and Empire Award. I believe that's the, that's the E. So if you get the Grammy, Taron, you're halfway there. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm up against a, a little-known performer called Lady Gaga. So I think... Um, Chances might be slim, but uh, the (laughs) nomination is lovely. So not necessarily working on the acceptance speech just yet? Not just yet, no. (laughs) Okay, well, it's it's all part of... It's wonderful journey that you guys have been on with this movie. Um, we were just talking, and you know, you've been everywhere. You've been doing Q and A's, LA, New York, on the awards circuit, um, and meeting some pretty interesting people. 
Al Pacino, for example, you know, following you on Where's Instagram. Where's that boy? Where is he? <laughs> I gotta meet that Taron. Where is? Where's Taron? Oh my God! I've seen it seven times. <laughs> that movie, he's great. Taron, that's what he's like. Is <laughs> it true? Where is you he? Know, it, 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 it was. Where is quite, he? I was, gotta find him. Where is he? It was. It was a bit like that. Yeah, it was quite. Um, yeah, it's, it's a mad old life. Um, how is how is Mr. Pacino? Do you know what? He was um, sort of quite uh, twinkly-eyed and cuddly. Not the sort of, not the the shark that you would expect from, you know, well, Scarface or whatever, you know. Um, no, he genuinely he's, he's loves lovely. the film. There's yeah. a real warmth coming off. I mean, I think he's excited. I, I did work with him many years ago. Yes, indeed. Where, as, as I don't know, 30 plus years ago. And... Um, and so I think that he, he's, you know, he feels a connection there, which is great. I mean, I'm, I don't see him regularly. I can't say that we hang out. But he, I think there is an element of him where, you know, I, I saw him not long ago. And I said, I saw your film and it's great. And that kid, that Taron, you know, he's incredible. And I think that there's a genuine warmth and support. And, you know, it's, if, you, if you love a musical and you love the film, it's, uh, yeah. it's something that's hard to hide. So has this, has this been, this whole experience, right, from... Right from the beginning, when you meet in Elton John, for example, has it been filled with, I can't quite believe this is happening, pinch me, moments? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, obviously, by virtue of Elton's fame and legacy, you know, there was a lot of attention on the movie. But I think for us, it felt like such a... Uh, it felt like such a personal experience for us and the and the and the creative team and and the, and the and the broader team working on the movie, the crew as well. You know, who we've both worked with a lot on other things, and it was just that weird kind of thing where that sort of alchemy of 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 a really happy time, which can often mean that the movie you're making isn't very good. But it, <laughs> but um, you know, on this occasion. It didn't feel like that. It felt like a lovely blend of people feeling really happy to go to work, but also really passionate and focused and like good hard work. Yeah, it was like really, it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. Work was hard, but it was really yeah, like building like building a wall or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something really primal and satisfying. <laughs> putting, putting up some shelves or something, but with but with song instead. Uh, but yeah, but with, but with song. And I can't put up shelves, um, but uh, <laughs> but you can sing. Um, so it's lovely that something that felt incredibly personal to us had so many eyes on it, and it, it has been you know, full of pinchery moments. You know, when the movie came out, you know, some of the people who got in touch with us would, you know, I, I, I don't know how these people get your email, but, um, <laughs> but you know, Tom Hanks and uh, Joaquin Phoenix and... Um, oh, Hanks is a well-known hacker. He just... Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks. <laughs> um, uh, and... Uh, and um, you know, and for me, and of course for Dex as well, but, I, you know, for me, particularly with those two guys who, you know, I grew up watching and being uh, passionate about as actors, when you get an email from those guys uh, approving and, and expressing their love of the film, it's, it's, it's validation that I can't quite describe, really. And, and then, you know, throughout and on the subject of pinch me moments, you know, I, I've talked, talked a bit about this in the press, but for my birthday, Elton took me to see a singer named Brandy Carlisle perform Joni Mitchell's Blue and uh, Joni was there and um, I hugged her uh, and then I went to her house for a jam session <laughs> um, uh, and I sang Tiny Dancer in her living room for her with Elton John um, so it's been it's been All right. I mean it's been fucking ludicrous really, you know? <laughs> But, um, but it's been, you know, an, an incredible episode in our lives, and that was a very long-winded way of saying, yeah, it's been, it's been enchanting. I tried to get you guys. We did a live tour recently, and we went to Belfast, and I uh, tried to get you guys across to Belfast, and I was told you were unavailable, and I was like, oh, okay. And it was October seventeenth, and I was like, I'm sure they're maybe doing a Q and A or something somewhere. And the next day, I got up and I, October eighteenth, I looked at your Instagram feed, and you had been singing live with Elton John in LA. I thought, as excuses go. <laughs> that's a pretty good one that's alright yeah that was cool we we had a, a screening of the movie with a live orchestra and Elton and I came out and sang at the end and um, it was lovely it was sort of it kind of was a sort of swan song celebration for the film really um, I don't think we've 
I don't think we've got any more celebrations of the film in us, but it's been a really, it's been a lovely, we've had a few of these really yeah. magical screenings where we've been able to share it in a way that feels quite special and, and sing and, and amazing people come. Joni was at that one as well. Um, <laughs> uh, so was Pete Townsend. So was Pete Townsend. Wow. And he came up and said, oh, oh hey, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jason Statham was there and he cried. <laughs> He's going to hate that. <laughs> he had something in his eye. He was, he's very tough. He You're a march for came death. Out, came out afterwards, he was all red-eyed. <laughs> it's oh, great. It's really great, though. It's, it's, awesome. great. it's great. It's great. It's, it's great. really emotional, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, that was the idea. Yeah. No, but it's really emotional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll be getting such an angry email from Statham now. It's, you'll get yeah, your he right loves Tara. Yeah, he loves Tara. <laughs> That's amazing. So when, when you're singing, how many times have you sung now with Elton John? Uh, it's been f- publicly... Four, four times. Yeah. Uh, and privately, uh, maybe, s- maybe seven. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say four hundred, but no, <laughs> no, right. no, no, seven no. He doesn't like to rehearse, which really stresses me out. But um, no, he do- he doesn't do a great deal of singing off stage. Okay. But and what, what did you sing in LA that night? We sang the song from the movie from the credits. I'm going to love me uh-huh. again, and we also sang "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me," which I've always wanted to do, and and I really wanted to do it because. When we started the process, it was one of the two songs we recorded at Abbey Road, wasn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, it's yeah. like the first test for yeah. for the movie, and uh, and I couldn't do it. It just it it flips up. I think it's by a fifth. Not that musical. Um, <laughs> at the end, it's a it's got a big high note at the end. Um, and I remember that when we started, I couldn't hit it, and I really wanted to do it live to prove to myself that I could. And we did, and I did. Hey. It's been a, it's been a long process, you know, from where we. From where we started, I mean, really, you know, there's there's questions about the genesis of the film. When did it, you know, come mm. around and all that sort of stuff. And there's obviously a story about Taron and Elton and Matthew Vaughan all being on the set together of Kingsman 2. And mm. obviously a discussion started around a piano there or whatever it was about the possibilities of Rocket Man. The script was around and which is all well and good. And, um, and I was fortunate enough that they brought me on as well. But what we really had to do was to get the studio really behind it and really raise the money and really give the film momentum um, was get Taron in front of a piano uh, at Abbey Road Studios with Giles Martin, our producer, and get him to sing these two songs. And I went down there with the cameraman as well and we shot, you know, very simply... Taron at the piano singing these two songs live, which we then edited together. Um, and that is what got us the money. Matthew then took that footage over to Paramount in, in LA and they went, great, we're making this movie. And so that was really the the defining moment, which is the time that Taron's talking about. And from there to where you see him on the stage at the Greek singing that note on stage with Elton, <laughs> you go, wow, that was 18 months that was a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. Because it was pretty much that sort of uh, that that quick that it all happened. So that happens, you get the money and then you're what, in prep pretty much right away? The script's, the script's there, the script's done. Yeah, well, I mean, you say, they say you get the money, go, okay, we're interested in giving you the money. <laughs> Which is different from them to, you know, obviously there's certain hoops you've got to jump through, then the script starts to get worked on and, and there's uh, that those sort of questions to be asked and uh, you start working with an executive at the studio, but then you get to about, yeah, three or four months out and the money has to start rolling. They release a little bit of cash flow. You set up the offices and you start employing people. And But it's all still rather sort of sketchy and, and nebulous. And, uh, um, yeah, you keep sending Taron off to piano and singing. <laughs> and keeps going into the studio and yeah. singing more and more. So, But it slowly builds and builds. But it's funny because certain amounts of money get released at certain milestones. It's not like they just give it all to you in one go and you go, oh, great, and you start doling it all out. Um, it, it's it's a process of earning it, if you like, and, and creatively. So, Taron, during this this process, to be fair, I wouldn't just throw forty three million dollars a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very trustworthy. With, don't listen to him. Give me your money. <laughs> so, what are you doing uh, during this period? During this period, of where Dexter's slowly but surely putting the film together. So, Dex is. Um, playing with different ideas, different positioning of songs and trying out different scene ideas. There's a great structure that Lee Hall had done, but, you know, as is always the case, you know, a director will, you know, uh, move things around and, and, and put their own stamp on it. Yep. And meanwhile, I'm... Although you were there as well in the studio with Giles, but just intermittently coming yeah. in and out, you know. But I was pretty 
pretty consistently at either Abbey Road or Air Studios with Giles, just strengthening my voice, uh, learning piano there as well, and um, and just trying out ideas. For me, it was a, youth, a, a useful rehearsal, not just because of strengthening your voice in it technically. It's about you know what 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 is the <clears throat> Oh, I can't believe I'm about to say what's my motivation. What's the, uh, what's the, what, what is the emotional content? Yeah, what's, what's the, yeah. what's the thought behind the lyric? So yeah. you take the lyric and what, you know, you don't just recite it and push it out into the air. You have to put an intention and an idea behind it. And and the beautiful thing about Bernie's lyrics are that they are, they 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 there's poetry to them, and they they've got that wonderful quality of being sort of open to interpretation. You know, if you ask Elton or Bernie what Benny and the Jets means, they, they both shrug. Um, but the glorious thing about that is that, you know, with something like that, that's sort of a little bit nebulous, we can tailor it to our own purpose. So, you know, I mean, something like Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me is pretty clear. But, um, you know, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is about saying goodbye in our movie, not what how they intended it. But in our movie, it's about saying goodbye to a lifestyle that is causing you pain and saying goodbye to your demons. And, you know, so when he looks in the mirror and he says, so what do you, so what do you think you'll do then? But that will shoot down your plane. You know, he's experimenting with the idea of taking the plunge and going to rehab, but it's going to, you know, it's a scary, it's a scary leap to take. So for me, the time spent with Giles was about me kind of playing with those ideas really and, and, and figuring out, what attitude was going to be behind the lyrics and what those lyrics meant to my version of Elton at that point in the story. And did that affect anything in the finished movie in terms of the the choice of songs, the way songs were deployed? When you're listening to what Taryn's doing, you think, oh, maybe that has a bit more emotional resonance, maybe I'll move it up, move things around. Um, I suppose, it, of course it has impact. Yeah, I mean, you know, even going looking at a location can have an impact on how you suddenly visualise a, a scene or a sequence to be. You know, in Rocket Man, there's this, what I think is a lovely moment when he goes past the window when he's on the stretcher and they mm. pick him up, they kind of dance with him. And Silhouette they, almost, yeah. Him. yeah. And that came from a visit to a post office for some completely different reason. That's the post office in Greenford, <laughs> uh, is the truth of it. But... <laughs> you know, with a bit of wizardry, you can make it look like a big hospital window in LA. And But that was born of, I was looking for that idea, looking for something strong visually to make that transformation happen. But similarly with the songs, and I think it's what Taron's alluding to, and he's absolutely right, is that throughout that process of where Taron's recording and, and learning the songs and experimenting with his voice, because where Taron was with his voice was a very different place from where he started to where he ended up. You know, Elton has a particular kind of rocky mm. curl in his voice that, that Taron had to investigate in his own voice and find and develop, um, which is absolutely right. But also all of the songs were placed where they were and found for their emotional content, which is something that we discussed at length during the process, before the process, you know, while he was recording them. That's why I went there as much as I could. And I, I believe that Taron found a lot of what these huge emotional markers were. These songs are huge emotional beats in the film and, and what they were as he recorded those songs. But then what he fantastically did is he strung them all together emotionally throughout that, those dramatic scenes and those scenes in the rehab and, and all of that it was the real mastery of, of what he did on a day to day. But he had these kind of signposts along the way. And, and um, that's kind of what came out of that. But so the songs, once I decided where they were, I was like, no, I want love is there because we need everyone to talk about wanting love. Mm -hmm. And there was, nowhere for else for it to go it, 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 you know the songs found their place and that that was quite rigid but it it gave Taron these absolute kind of milestones emotionally which I thought were very important I uh, I always like to ask about first days because uh, one thing that that seems to spring from that is that most people are terrified on, on their first day Taron your first day as Reg Dwight on, or, on set on set yeah uh, it was a lot that day. It was a lot, I think, because we, it was, we, we, I think you had, we'd scheduled the Troubadour stuff first, hadn't we? And I think in many respects doing that Crocodile Rock number first was real wisdom because it's the sort of baptism of fire theory. 
but um, there's a moment of chaos backstage before all of that, and it and it that f- talk about fucking art imitating life. It was just <laughs> oh my god, it was just craziness, and we were in a enclosed space, and everyone was just in a toilet, yeah, in a toilet, and you know I'm supposed to be behaving like a crazy person, but for some reason everybody else on set were behaving like crazy people as well, and it was just this sort of mania, and I think we um. I just think we were all a bit overexcited and uh, as you and I are slightly prone to a bit of. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I think just, I think the enormity of it just felt, you know, it was like, oh my God, we're here, we're doing, you know, and, and it was crazy. But it and was I, people finding their space as well, finding yeah. their feet. And so there was a, yeah, you know, it wasn't only Taryn's first day, it was Jamie's first day and Charlie right. Rowe's first day. And, and I think as well, it's, it's, it's it, that, bit of the movie is about it's tonally about as near to farce as we get the whole way yeah. through and so there's nowhere else in the movie that we sort of go to that place where it's really quite comedic yeah. so at the end of the day I was a bit like what fucking movie are we making and, <laughs> and um and I was and I was frightened <laughs> and uh and then you know wasn't long before I'm blubbing or you know doing drugs or something and I realised, okay, we're back in this movie. No, no, the the next thing that happened the next couple of days was that you flew, that you did Crocodile Rock. Yeah, it was a Crocodile Rock. That's where you started. Sorry? That's where you started, Crocodile Rock. Yeah, that's what That was day two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was day two. So he was then, and we were figuring out how to make everyone in the audience lift off the ground. So that sort of galvanised it in a different way because we went, when it works, we went, ooh, Oh, that looks really good. Oh, you know, I mean, it's all well and good in theory on paper, but when you, I think, as, I think as I think as lead actor, to a certain extent, in a different way to the director, but you still feel like you want to take the reins of it and you want to kind of drive in it and commanding it. And the first day, I just felt like fucking hell, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then obviously, when we had when we had Crocodile Rock, it was like right, okay, I, it's the moment in the film where the character has to take the reins. So there was a bit of me doing it as the actor as well, I think, and I immediately relaxed. But- I planned all of that. <laughs> I, 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 I planned all of that, all of that. Yeah, that's you're, you're a master of scheduling. I always presumed he did actually. I remember I give him too much credit. <laughs> the, um, that sequence is really uh, illustrative for a number of uh, reasons. First of all, I did a Q&A last week for Rockman with David Furnish, and he said that Michael Stipe of R.E.M. Uh, had emailed him after seeing the film and said that scene captured more accurately the feeling of being on stage than anything else he'd ever seen or heard. Did you? Were you aware of that, Dex? Oh, anyway? Dex. No, I've just heard it now. Though I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't say I'm, I'm not short of chuffed. That. Uh, so where did that idea come from, the idea of, of floating? Well, there's a there's a very classic picture of Elton in, at that particular gig, jumped up horizontally from his keyboard with his legs up behind him, which we kind of allude to in some press clippings. Uh, and I think that was obviously in my head. And uh, first of all, I just wrote, I was just thinking about the sensation of of going over a roller coaster. You know, this guy. This is the start of the roller coaster. I think this is the start of the ride. It's where the phrase "it's going to be a wild ride" comes out in the film as mm. well. And 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 so I I thought about that, and I thought about that moment of when you go over the top and you sort of lift off the ground, and then in in if we do live performance on stage, which I've been lucky enough to do in my time, there is sometimes a moment in performance where everything else disappears, and there's you, and there's the audience, and there's the moment. And there's the performance that's going on and it's something just great happens and you sort of forget about everything else and it's all very connective and and it's very hard to articulate as I'm struggling to do now, even. <laughs> yeah. But but it does have a feeling, and the feeling is like everyone lifts off the ground and hangs for a moment. And I just got literal about it. And I said, and that's what I wrote. Everyone lifts off the ground. The audience lifts off the ground. Elton suspends them. He suspends them with his performance. The moment is the magic of him going, I can do this. And having that incredible feeling and that elevating everyone who's there present in that moment. And, and so then there was talk about, oh, well, we could do it in slow motion. You know, everybody jumps and we film at a thousand frames a second. And, they all, and I was like, no, because that looks wrong because that looks like everybody's in slow motion. And that's not what happens. What happens is that we all lift off in that moment of creativity and, and uh, excitement and, you know, exuberance and something brilliant being realised. Um, when nerves falls away and self doubt and all those other things that get in the way of of creativity 
And so I suppose, you know, it's just me kind of thinking around that. And, and I had it myself in a, in a small pub theatre with like 60 people. I was doing a play, you know, and I was just like, wow, what happened there? That was amazing. And, and, and so I was really kind of, and I spoke to Elton about that. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's the, <laughs> that's the feeling. And I suppose that's what Michael's responding to, that, that Taron goes, oh, this is the moment. You know, yeah. this is uh, uh, that, that very exciting kind of unique feeling. But I think that we can all watch it and go, oh, I get that. Yeah. That that's, feels great, you know. You can have it when you're playing in a playground with all your mates. You can have it when you're sitting around a dinner table chatting. It can, you know, it comes in in many forms. But um, When you're hosting a Q&A. When you're sure. hosting yeah. a Q&A. Yeah, yeah. These guys have just melted away. Um, <laughs> Taryn, can you get Tom Hacks to uh, get me Michael Sipes' email address, first of all? And uh, secondly, when you're performing with Elton John, do you feel that, you know, whether it's the first time or the fourth or the seventh in private, do you, do you feel that, 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 that sense of, of um, levitation in a way? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I f- you know, you feel a real sense of, I think, f- in my opinion, that feeling, it comes from a quality of, like, shared focus that creates a real eye of the storm energy. So the more the more charged it is and the more extraordinary or special the moment it is, the more. And f- as the performer, I think the the idea of flying comes from there's a there's a place you get to and i think most actors have experienced it as well as um musicians but it just feels a bit like you can you can do no wrong you know everything you're doing is just fucking Mm. perfect because not not because it's it's just because you can feel it you feed off the audience but um and i think i have felt like that with elton and i think although i think it was the time where i was really nervous the first time we did it it felt really special because at that point, I mean, no one knew if I could really hold a tune on stage, you know? So, I mean, so when I got up on stage with him in February and we did Tiny Dancer at his Oscar party, there was a, it didn't feel like Elton at the Troubadour, but it felt, it felt like oh, it was there was a little, was there was a little, was. there was a little moment in the room. And no, that f- that's absolutely the perfect analogy. It, it was because the, the expectation and, and Tara was extremely nervous before. Oh my! I was like, All right, mate. Hey, hey, hey. And he was like, he Leave me alone. My Leave me alone. <laughs> he was doing my head in. I was sat at the table <laughs> trying to go into the zone. He kept coming up behind him and going, <laughs> like, "That's fuck off." Because <laughs> I could see you were nervous, and I was like, "How do I?" And everything I did, go and jiggle him a bit. Yeah, yeah. It didn't work. It wasn't my best. But you did, and then you came. You were overexcited because you had a burgundy Tom Ford tux. Yeah, I did. You (laughs) looked great, and you knew it. You were strutting around, tickling, (laughs) tickling movie stars. Hey. Yeah, uh, no, it was good. But then, but then they did. They came out, and you did. You just it happened. It sort of clicks into this moment, and, it, and it's not. And it is. It's like everything's perfect. We all feel it in the audience. We're just in the audience going, "This is just great." And it was. It was absolutely that moment. It really was. Yeah. The other reason I wanted to talk about the crocodile rock scene, and, and specifically the moment where Elton locks himself in the toilet, uh, was because that was the first moment when I went, "Oh, this isn't a hagiography. This is." This is warts and all. What does that mean? Uh, it's a, a glowing Orific- biography. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. glorification. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> we're all learning tonight, Dex. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, this is warts and all. This is uh, a movie in which someone's banging on the door and saying, "Of oh, the lead, lead, Elton John, get out of that toilet, you little twat." It was those three words, I think, that made me realize this is the sort. Of, this is the, what you're going for. Yeah. Um, and that was always the intent, I guess, from the beginning. Did not be. To not go down straight down the middle and not glorify Elton. Absolutely, that, I mean that's what Matthew spoke to me about, and I know that he spoke to you about was uh, right in the beginning. Was, I mean, what he said was it's going to be an R-rated musical, and and when he said that, I didn't take it to mean like, oh right, okay, so we can just do anything, uh, or it's got to be it's got to be unnecessarily unnecessarily sort of gratuitous or dark or or, or you know explicit, but it meant that we had a, a free reign to really explore the uglier side. You know, the, the, you know, the waltz and all, as it's called, but the sweaty, uncomfortable, broken, angry side. You know, we take a huge risk in a lot of ways because we start out and that Elton that comes in in the beginning is not a happy person and he's not a particularly nice person. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's absolutely locked into. I'm a bitch and I'm back. And I've always been a bitch, even when I was nine years old, is, is the kind of place that he's in. 
by the end of the film, he goes, oh, no, I was a nine-year-old kid. I just needed a hug. It's an incredibly big journey to make, but it's a big risk to take as well in terms of we open the film with someone who's not really that nice. You know, and... um, you know, why did you come here? Well, my dealer was out of town. I thought I'd see what was going on. You know, mm. arrogant and defensive and, and spiky. And, and, um, and that was what was exciting. That was what was, ah, there's something really great to go for. And, you know, I, the first time I met Elton uh, was I, uh, uh, I got asked to go to lunch in Vegas, which is the furthest I've ever been for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But I went (laughs) and it was four hours long and he spoke about everything and anything. Because I spent the first half an hour going, oh, can I ask him about drugs? That's really what I wanted. (laughs) I don't want to ask him about drugs. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you played the troubadour. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, what about the drugs? And he went, oh, yeah. Now, and eventually I built up the coach and he told me a story that I was like, oh, my God. I mean... I'd had, I've had my moments in the dark hollows of that world, yeah. but, and they were a long time ago, but he told me things that I was like, wow, you know, and he was so sort of open and candid about it, but yeah. he was like, this is what it's got to be about. This film has got to be about emotional honesty and authenticity. And that is what the film is. We always went for. It has its light moments. It has its fanta- fantasy moments. It's had its ridiculous moments. It has its deeply emotional, but it always strives to be authentic. And Taryn has a very close relationship with Elton, and that's true to that. And uh, I, I have a very open dialogue with him, and I stay true to that. And I, we want to honour him. We want to celebrate him. You know, it, 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 you know, the relationship people have with Elton's back catalogue is something that we have to be mindful of. You know, it's not something we can be flippant about. Mm. And, and, and people have a relationship with a musician and, and their music. And it's, there's a responsibility to that. And it's good that there is. Uh, but, but at the same time, we're not just trying to create a puff piece. That, yeah. We never, yeah. we never, and he didn't want that. So uh, it was really important that we, we just chucked it all out there. Taron, obviously you formed a great friendship with, with Elton over the, the course of making this movie. Uh, were there times though where there maybe there was a, a, a balance or a conflict between wanting to be true to your friend, honour your friend, but also as an actor playing the beats of a scene which don't always necessarily portray Elton in the best light? No, because I... Uh, because I... N- uh, no, and I'll tell you why. Because I was a bit... I, to say I was vocal about the kind of performance I wanted to give, I think I think it's fair enough, isn't it? And early on, you know, I, 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 I really... I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not, you're not always going to look good. Yeah. Was that after we shaved your head? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but just in the sense that, you know, I think what... As Dexter says, you know, we wanted to celebrate him and Bernie and their legacy, but what we didn't want to make a movie about was a a, a, a rock god, although he is. We wanted to make a, a movie about a, a rock star human being, you know, and and I think that's what we were striving for was was humanity, and we've you know we've all all of us have all done things that you know. We wish we hadn't, apart from maybe Hugh Jackman. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, like, and, and you know, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. The thing about Elton is, I mean, he, I spoke to him earlier today and he still makes me blush. I'm going to tell you what he said when I picked up the phone, but it still makes me, he's so unbelievably naughty and it still makes me blush. But like, the thing about him is <laughs> what Elton cannot fucking stand. He cannot stand anything that's boring, anything that's dry, waiting around, anything that takes too long. He ca- anything that is pedestrian is unforgivable. Look at what the guy wears. <laughs> you know, so when I'm fucking screaming and, you know, the spit, flecks of spit flying out my mouth at Richard Madden's face, Elton loves that because it's not boring, you know. <laughs> so I think we were really lucky because... He's a unique personality who, and the other thing is as well, you know, when he, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you know, tantrums and tiaras was a long time ago and he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't really have those episodes anymore. I saw a faint shadow of one once, but, but, 
But what happens is that four or five minutes later, he's chuckling at, at the absurdity of it. And he has that level of self-awareness. And I think it's that level of self-awareness that meant that we could do what we've done. And, um, and I suppose for me on a personal selfish level, I was always felt quite militant about this because... Of course, everything you do is in service to the film. But for me personally, as an actor, I knew that it represented a chance for me to, you know, the things I'm best known for are Eggsy and Eddie the Eagle, probably, and those, and they, they're great roles, but they are more um, archetypal in their heroism because they are sort of, they're kind of, they, they don't quite have that, they don't have the same slight flaws in their character, I suppose, as the character of Elton. And it represented an opportunity for me to do something different. So I, it was what it, it was. What, what I'm trying to say is that's what drew me to it. So I was never going to do anything else. And I think everyone knew that, didn't they, really? Yeah, Tara was like, can I just wear underpants in this scene? <laughs> got to that level. And now that may seem like it's just a try there, but it's really important that you got... You know, there's a scene where he comes down the stairs at his mum's house where they've been thrown out of where they're living and they're about to write your song. Mm -hmm. He writes it in his underpants and a striped dressing gown. I didn't want to wear her PJ bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) It's his house. You feel comfortable, right? I'm a boxers guy. I only get to wear wide fronts in character. If you watch the shot, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. We you op- frame it we on my shot. knob, though. <laughs> you frame it up on my groin. On your pants. It's what's not It's not what's in your pants. It's the pants we're looking at. It was, uh, it was you, across the screen. Like, you were like, oh, massive. don't. Please don't film stop, mine. Don't. Stop it. Please. <laughs> don't, George. Move that camera. <laughs> like, that's great. I'm going to have my dressing gown open. <laughs> It's weird though, you do find when you play a part that's that um exuberant and eccentric, you know, you do find weird things that you that you don't know about yourself and I fucking love hot pants. I really <laughs> Can we get Mr. Edgerton some hot pants, please? Um I'd love to see that call going out. Darren wants wife fronts. <laughs> he needs wife fronts now. Um he came prepared. <laughs> Excellent. Good to know. Um, we're going to throw it out to you guys real quick uh, for just a couple of last questions. But I want to go through three moments from the film. Real quick, three moments. Not scenes, moments. Yeah. Because this is the first time we've spoken since, uh, I've, since the movie came out. And uh, I specifically, <laughs> these are weird moments, but indulge me. The moment where Elton heads the football in uh, Honky Cats. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Where did that come from? He he bought Watford. I mean, it was like he bought a football team. You know, the whole sequence is about him buying stuff. He bought art. He bought, and it was like we got to get Watford in there. So he does. He, you know, <laughs> there's so much to pack in trying yeah. to tell that story in that whole number. Um, that uh, yeah, it was like okay. Here at the end of the of the bar, he should head a, a football and fall into the arms of four football players. This, I thought I was going to die when we were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to die because do you remember for a while they were transition. they were flipping me as oh, well. They did. They, they flipped me. Over. And I mean, I, I'm not the most aerodynamic bloke anyway. And I was carrying a few <laughs> pounds then. Oh my god, I was absolutely convinced that was the end. I thought I was going to land flat on my face after heading that football. <laughs> well, there you go. You'd never know it to look at. He looks like he's absolutely. having the time of his life. There's some really interesting pictures as well that come from that period of, of Elton in the showers with all the football players standing around while there's a bloke being massaged on the table <laughs> and Elton sort of standing there. So it's kind of a bit because. This, you know, the great thing about Elton's life, it's brilliantly documented, you know, and, and what Taron does fantastically in um, in Rocketman, for example, when he goes out and dodges stadium, he strikes like these really key poses that if you go and look at Terry O'Neill's photography, mm-hmm. we we really lean into, but Taron absolutely nails the physicality that of Elton on stage in those particular moments as well. In fact, that's uh, the second moment I wanted ah, to talk about, go, uh, specifically the smile uh, the drop of a hat, the smile, when you're handed the baseball bat yeah. and you're in the depths of despair and suddenly on comes the, the potentially fake smile for the, for the audience. Yeah, and, and I, I don't, I mean, I hesitate to say this, but I still, sometimes, I still see Elton do that now, actually. He's still, he's got a bit of a, there's a slight, it's almost, it's not clownish, but it's, it's that, it's like he, he slightly puts on a mask sometimes, you know, and you, it's that grin that it's, and, and, it, and it's, it's all born of, um, like the scene before the Albert Hall where I'm practicing my smile in the mirror. It's all born of, Dexter asked me to watch a movie called All That Jazz before we started. And it's got this famous phrase in it, Showtime, where he takes a load of uh, prescription 
pills to get ready for his day. It's part of his routine. He's at showtime and he's sort of making himself ready, you know, but he's a deeply troubled, addicted person. And, and so those moments of that, you know, uh, that kind of tears of a clown, mm. you know, Cheshire cat grinning thing came from from there, really, that yeah. bit of inspiration. And, and, and I knew what Dex and George were doing from a from a from a from a cine, cinematic from a you know in terms of the photography yeah it was going to uh, you know it was going from the micro to the fucking extreme macro and it, and it and it ha- it was it we were trying to build a moment of you know like what shit wow and um and you just feel things instinctively and it felt like you also feel sometimes that when your your movement as an actor should kind of should be moving with the camera and something about the way the camera's moving, it felt like the twirl. It just felt right. It's just things just happened. Those things like that happen and you don't really know they're happening until after they've happened. <laughs> yeah. You don't really plan yeah. them. They just kind of feel right and you do it and and then you can tell pretty quickly by Dex's face whether it whether it's whether it's good or not. <laughs> I'm smiling. I mean I you know this is what I was saying about how those songs became something that Taron worked on yeah. and then all that connective tissue tissue that goes in between them, all that connective drama was things that he could just do and you yeah. just go, Okay, great, you just sit back and 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 revel in that because you know it just it works brilliantly dramatic dramatically and uh, but also it's not just you know the performance doesn't come like the thing one of my favorite things about Dex as a director is like no receiving notes because it's such a personal thing at performance that receiving notes can be tough and the 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 one of the best compliments I can pay Dex is that Dex gives notes that are really exciting and 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 you you sort of Dex gives notes that make you go okay fuck, let's go again let's go you know and that's yeah, yeah. a lovely thing. Well, and the way he delivers them orally, genuinely no, more than the idea. When you do it this time, <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> See, I feel it. <laughs> oh, live tickling. We never thought we'd go there. Uh, and then I'm trying to do movie star cool day. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Are you very ticklish? Oh, yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the third moment I wanted to talk about is when Dick James says, "Right, I'm going for a massage," oh which, my I, for my money, is the sleaziest line <laughs> of 2019. It's very period. It's of an era, you know. It's like you go back 40 years. That was very acceptable behaviour. <laughs> Um, he's amazing in this, Stephen Graham. I mean, it must have been tough not pissing yourself off. Oh, we couldn't breathe, could we? It was really that. Tough. That is improvised. That's that, really <laughs> that's improvised. He did it in, in both the big scenes that he's in. I cut it out of the first one, right. but it is in both of them. He did it at the end. Right, I'm going because Charlie goes. Where are you going for a massage? <laughs> Where are you going for a mess? But the film was running long, and certain things had to go. But it, so it stayed in the second one, right? And he called her different names every time as well: Maria, Mary, <laughs> Jane. He never knew her name. There was this guy. <laughs> he, just, he was he was having such a great time, Stevie. <laughs> I'm going to do it all like Bob Hoskins. I'm doing it all like Bob Hoskins. All right, do that. That'd be great. He just sort of turned into Bob Hoskins. Uh, right, I think we've got time for a couple of questions from you guys. Hands have shot up in the air immediately. I saw this gentleman in the second row. Um, can I just say thank you for making one of the best films I've seen this year? I just thank absolutely you. love thank it. You, thank you very much. Um, you've obviously shown as a pair that you're fantastic at biops with this and Eddie the Eagle. I just wonder who else you've got in your sights to make a film about? I. D- I d- Dearly hope we've got we we've, we've got at least one more outing in us. I think. Yeah, absolutely, I hope more. Absolutely. You know, we both, um, yeah. I think. I think I, we may not do. We may not. We may not do a real. Yeah, we might venture forward into fiction. <laughs> yeah, that sounds crazy. Because <laughs> I know it's wild know idea. It's wild, isn't it? But apparently, it's quite fertile ground. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see what's there. Yeah. But but no, look. We I think you know for. For, um, I know I'm speaking for, for both of us. I don't care if I'm not. It's a very productive relationship for both of us, working-wise and just for our friendship. And so I think there's no shadow of a doubt we'll find something else. We're just going to make sure we find it's the right thing because we've worked hard and long and um, it's really important to us both. Yeah, I think what we don't want to do, I think because we do really enjoy and we genuinely are in each other's lives on a on a, on a pretty much weekly <laughs> basis anyway, you know, we don't want to rush in something because 
we just want to spend time together. We want to be sure that we're making it, doing it for the right creative reasons as well. Do you know it is I mean? good when we do it. We don't want to just blow it on something. Yeah, no, we yeah, want. It, we no. just want to. We want to. We want to pick something right. But we're going to no, do no the Chuckle doubt. Brothers. He's going to play both of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've kept the moustache from Eddie. Blow your movie star call there. There you go. That's a dangerous thing to say because we're actually live tweeting this as, as we go. So that's out there now. Taron Edgerton to play both Chucker Brothers. Jesus Christ, there's so many hands. Uh, a terrible thing okay. to say. I'm so There sorry. is a lady there beside. There's a stripy top and a lady with the hand next to the stripy top. That's, that's, as, that's as accurate as I can be. Oh, thank you both so much for being here. Um, I'm Zoe and I have a question for both of you. There seem to be um, certain resonances of certain films, in particular The Music Lovers and Dogged Afternoon in the quality of actor-director collaboration. And I was wondering if there are any films that the two of you referenced in common to help produce such a fantastic collaborative vision. Thank you. I think all that jazz that I mentioned... and, and did There's another film called The Rose as well with Bette Midler. I don't know if you've seen The Rose with Bette Midler, which is a fantastic sort of live performance film about a rock star kind of falling apart. It's sort of sort of like A Star is Born, but she plays both parts. Uh, it's, it, but that's an incredible movie as well that, that, we, that we looked at and referenced. Um, and Tommy as well, the, the great Ken Russell. Uh, crazy... Mm. Uh, dystopian nightmare I suppose you want to call yeah. it um, for obvious reasons because of Pinball Wizard as well that's in there um, but we always sort of strived to set out our, our own new original musical I mean the thing is about Rocket Man and that I'm particularly proud of and I think Taron is as well is that there's no template for Rocket Man there's no West End show that you could have gone and seen before there's no concept album that you could have been listening to. There's what was on the page and then what we did. And, you know, in the most humble way I can put it, I'm very proud of the fact that we created a new musical from the ground up. And I don't think we even realised the enormity of that when we were doing it. We had six weeks, 12 weeks rehearsal, whatever it was, six weeks. with, And... And most stage musicals you go and see have been developed for years and years over time and workshopped and music goes back and forth. And, and we just went, yeah, let's do a musical on film. And <laughs> Let's do the show right here. Let's do the show right <laughs> yeah. here. We did. We, we Mickey rooney and Judy Garland it. And, 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 and that's what we got. And I think only afterwards did we go, because, you know, I finished QCing it on the Friday and then by Thursday we were in Cannes sitting next to... Bernie Taupin and Elton John watching it at Cannes. And I was like, I don't even know what this is yet. I mean, you know, you, you hadn't seen it finished. No one had what, seen with it. With all the finished vi vi no. visual effects and stuff, and, no. And, and so I think that that's what I'm kind of really proud of, that we, and I think that's what feels fresh about the film maybe, is kind of like, what is this thing? It's uh, kind of got a... a, a what we're saying is we have no influences, we're complete originals. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. That was an excellent question. Thanks, thank you sorry. so much. Uh, lady here in the front row, thank you. Thank you. Um, my name's Daisy. You talked briefly, Taryn, but this is about both for both of you, about the humanity of Elton John. And the, throughout the film, there's this incredibly strong theme about growing, recovery, forgiveness, all of this stuff. And I feel like it was really important with today's sort of cancel culture that you put across this idea that we're all human, we all do good and bad things. And I just wondered if that was something that was always sort of meant to be a main theme or did it grow because it, it really connected with me about how life is difficult and unpredictable and you do change and learn and we're not, there's no such thing as a good person, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it was always... Um I think it was always really important to... I think it was important to... You know, when you talk about an R-rated movie, diff, different pe that means different things to different people. And um, and I dare say it means a different thing from Elton to what it means to Matthew Vaughan, to what it means to Dex, to what it means for me, to me. And I think the thing... And everyone else who's involved with making the movie, but I think what what everyone really, really believed was that we had to have the freedom to... To, to portray his struggles authentically and um 
And I feel like we were all quite on board from that early on. Inevitably, in any collaborative process, there's always a bit of a negotiation and a push me pull you. But aside from uh, a propensity towards overexcitement, we are both belligerent fuckers, aren't we? And I think we, we, you know, yeah, we stood our ground. We really st- yeah. we stood our ground with those conversations and. And I think, and actually, I don't want to portray for a second that anyone else in the creative process didn't feel that way. But you entertain all ideas during a creative process and you entertain ideas of moving things in different directions um, by virtue of what's happening in the world at large, by virtue of individual sensibilities. And I think we sort of linked arms and said, no, this is the movie that you you employed us to make. And... and, um, and I think because what we hoped we were doing was something that would speak to people because I think something that feels that hey, very much. But, you, you know, you can you can make a movie about a perfect person and it can still speak to you, of course. But um, but I feel like sometimes it can be like a takeaway dinner where it doesn't the feeling doesn't last very long, you know. And um, but also, I, sorry, just is, is that we you know, what the film was about is about surviving. Is about a survivor. He is a great survivor, and and it doesn't matter that he's really famous or that he's got loads of money or he's very talented or, you know, that those things are irrelevant when you need to survive, when you need to fight for who you are, and that's what he's doing. That's and that's what hopefully we recognise and and resonate with, and that we have a moment where we go, oh yeah, I was once a vulnerable child who needed a hug, and that's something that hopefully is universal, and that's okay to to say that once in a while, you know, because we get out in the big wide world, we put in our armour, and out we go, and you know, we got to face the world, and everyone expects us to be strong, and it's and it's. And I think the beauty of what Elton gives us is that we look at him, we go, oh, even he suffers the same trial. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you. All right, we've got time for one last question. What? And you're all going to have to fight for it. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I've gone... There's a, Go on, let's do, let's let's do a couple, couple, let's do a couple more. more. Let's do three. Let's do three. Let's do the show more. right here. Three, fine. Three, fine. 47 more questions. You heard it here first <laughs> from Taron Edgerton. Okay, the stripey jumper. You have been literally jumping up and down. There's a better be a question. The referee. Not a comment. If it's a comment, so help me. <laughs> um, so, Mike, I have two questions. Um, here we go. Here we go. Oh, Small ones. First of all, have you both drafted your Oscar speeches? <laughs> Second of all, what's your favorite costume? Because there's so many wonderful ones. What's, what's the favorite? Like I'm wearing it. You do? I was going to do that earlier. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Say <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, um, my, fa- uh, I've got different things for different reasons that I love, um, but I do think Julian's a bit of a genius, and um, uh, I think although I love the orange sequined neoprene, neoprene, is it neoprene? Neoprene, neoprene um, thing. Uh, what I love, I love the fact that the first time we we, we meet Elton and Bernie together at the the Lancaster Grill. Um, you meet them and they're, they're sat in profile and right in the last act of the movie, the camera wraps around to the same orientation as in that scene when they sat in the fancy restaurant. Um, and in the first scene, they discuss cowboys and um, and country music uh, and uh, Marty Robinson. And then in that last scene, um, the Goodbye Yellow Brick Run fa- fancy cafe fancy restaurant scene um, they're both actually dressed as cowboys um, and he's uh, Bernie's got that little that little tie that little kind of um, yeah bootlace tie and, and Elton's got um, a cowboy hat and um, and sort of boots on and another dimension to that as well is it's it's obviously the scene that Goodbye Yellow Brick Road comes out of and the hat is the straw hat for the scarecrow the blue suit is the blue of Dorothy's dress the shirt is metallic for the Tin Man. The boots are red with crystals because they're ruby slippers. The earring is green for the Emerald City, and when he leaves, he put on the light. He puts on the lion's mane. So anyone who's in any doubt about Julian Day, that guy knows how to design a fucking costume. My answer to that question is: there was a scene where Taron's wearing a kimono. And I say it with a slight Scottish accent because Richard Madden Richard came on. Richard Madden, I remember that. Richard Madden came on and went, I love a kimono. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I like, please have one of these kimonos? 
And so in the scene where, the, in Honky Cat, when there's a great scene when they're shopping and then they're both in kimonos. Yeah. And, and Richard's like, I love it. It's fantastic. So I like it when they're in kimonos. <laughs> That's weirdly enough the scene I was on set for. Uh, so was, I was exactly when you yeah, were besieged by Taran and Richard Madden and kimonos all day long. It was horrible. Uh, there's a right at the back here. I think you may already have the microphone. Hi. So, yeah, great movie. Thank you. I have a question for Dexter. Um, so, well, double-sided. Um, how much had Lee Hall actually really written visually? And how much did you like have to add on? I'm not probably not using the right terminology here, but, you know, like... Yeah, how you do the mise-en-scene, basically. Yeah, yeah. And which scene did you struggle most visualising before actually getting it done? Um, I think Rocket Man was a big struggle uh, because the, 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 the part of the swimming pool was there, but then it says, and then they dress him and put him out on stage. I mean, there were some things that were very, very sort of uh, kind of hastily written or, or, or with not much detail. Uh, Saturday Night's a Right for a Fight, for example, was, was completely different. I, I found that, that I had um, huge budgetary restrictions that couldn't facilitate what he'd written. Him coming down a street and climbing up fire escapes and going through flat windows and couples fighting there and coming out. and it, So it, it very much changed in nature and only when I went a fun fair, that's my key to opening up the world, uh, 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 th- th- that, that kind of found its, its look and feel. Um, Lee is great at writing drama. And um, and so a lot of those dramatic scenes were there and were very strong. And sometimes it was like, you know, for Saturday Night's All Right in a Fight, he comes out of the pub and everybody dances, which is not a lot to go on. Uh, um, which is maybe not a bad thing uh, uh, because it gives me the freedom then with the choreographer to to, to create what we did. And, and that, that was very satisfying. Um, but there's no two ways about the structure of what Lee created from his conversations with Elton that I wasn't even there for, but how he captured in that screenplay the emotional truth and the emotional journey throughout that then we built on, then I investigated and and unpicked as much as I could and and tested uh, uh, psychologically as much as I could so that we had a, a satisfying narrative through, although it happens over 30 years um, uh, is 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 testament to him and me. I like to think, but, but only uh, you know in a, in a sort of most as self-deprecating way I can possibly say that. But, but that was what was important. But but look, there's no two ways about it. Lee Hall is a fantastic genius writer, and and we were always uh, in, in great shape right right from the outset. Thank you. I believe I this answer. is the last question. There's a lady here in the second row. And then we'll do the, the girl with the blue hair to finish. All right. The blue hair's too good to miss. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm currently writing my dissertation on the AIDS crisis. And obviously they're in the deleted scenes. But I was just wondering, like, how important it was for you to actually, like, film and include those on the DVD themselves and, like, how it was to film them. I think, I think when we were shooting it, it felt like such an, a, a huge part of Elton's legacy and such a huge part of his and David's shared identity and the work they do. And we wanted to honour that. Um, and it was very important to them. But I think when it came to the... And I'm slightly speaking on Dexter's behalf here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when it came to the edit, it felt like it belonged to a, a movie that was more of a biopic, whereas I think the the movie kind of took a slightly different shape. You know, there's a reason that none of the other famous people in Elton's life you know, and some of them are very, very important, don't feature in the film. It's because we're creating a sort of slightly... I'll let you take over. No, yeah, I mean, I, no, no, he's right. He's right. He's absolutely right. And what, and what, what becomes apparent, uh, really important is that the crisis that you're talking about and the amount of people who were lost throughout that period of time, the amount of, of young people who, who were, I don't want to say victims because that's not the right word, but who were lost and... And that becomes, the more we explored it, the more that becomes a story in its own right. That becomes a really powerful story that Elton is massively involved in that um, starts to remove from what that emotional journey is that we are on. And I had to make those bigger decisions. I tried, we tried within the scenes to try and just go, hey, there's an element of this about it. But... 
I was around in the 80s and I can tell you it was not funny, not remotely. And and I and I think that to try and just take a little sort of sample of that and try and, and explain the whole depth of what it really was and how it affected Elton so deeply was too hard. When we shot that stuff, you know, we approached it with all the same care and heart and uh, that we would anything else. Yeah. But it just, I think, as Dexter's said, it's not, it's not a topic you just want to service. It's a topic that requires thorough exploration. We didn't want to just use it as just a service to Elton's emotions. It's like, of course, it played a part of that, but 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 we needed to keep it not sort of like, oh, I feel sorry for these other people, so I can feel sorry for myself. It, it, you know, there was it was a kind of muddy line because it's not. He's raised four hundred and fifty million dollars for research. It's like it's a film in its own right, and. We did, we attempted it, we did, but then when I have to make the bigger decisions about, oh, the film is now two hours and 57 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Good luck with your dissertation. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me to help. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last question, and let this be a lesson to people at Q&A's. Have blue hair. This girl with blue hair and a tiny dance. Blue hair, blue hair helps. jacket really, isn't it? So I feel kind of like awkward because every, every single question has been like really deep and emotional, so... Let's end on a low. Uh, let's end on a high. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'm Chris. I flew in from Hungary to watch it for the 23rd time. So wow. you can like, sort of wow. imagine. Thank you. <laughs> so you can sort of imagine how obsessed I am with it. And my question would sort of tie into what was asked before. Is there any chance, or are you planning on releasing a director's cut at any point? Because I noticed in the script that a lot of the cuts that have been made to the film have been made to like pre-existing scenes that were just made shorter, which were not put under DVD. So is there any chance that we'll get to see those? Uh. <laughs> what do I say? She's flew in from Hungary. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it to you personally. Um, no, sorry, no. Look, I, I, uh, no, I mean it, it, it is what it is. I mean that's why I, I've tried to pack the DVD extras with as much as I could uh, 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 to, to get as much of it in there because there's always these kind of things that you have to steal back. Uh, and and it, and, it, and honestly, it's the hardest thing to do. And and you always have to do it with every film, but this film was particularly painful. You know, losing Stevie Graham, go Maria message for, <laughs> for, the, for the first and second time is very difficult, and the, the same as it is to lose the dance number on the big golden record, you know, at the yeah. end of Honky Cat. It's like, you know, I don't want to do that, but I'm like, I've got to, I've got to find You built that gold record, Tex. I mean... I know, we <laughs> built it because a lot of dough. It was a, <laughs> Precisely. There was a lot of dance rehearsal went into it as well. I mean... <laughs> which Richard's really good at. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> No, they're both fantastic. But you just—it's the price that you pay, unfortunately. And um, uh, hopefully, we 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 pack so much into the film, and there is so much love, and there is so much. We felt every day was creative. We felt every day that we had something new and different, and exciting to be looking at and talking about. And uh, no two days were the same. It, it, there was no two days the same. And. Hopefully the film is still stands up to be rich enough and kind of colourful and exuberant and joyful enough and jam-packed with stuff that, although it's only two hours, it feels like it's a great two and a half. <laughs> that's the right thing to say, but thank you. Thank you all for coming, guys. Um, thank you. i got two seconds as well. <clears throat> Quick fire round for me. What's next for you guys? Because you've been on this roller coaster now for the last two years, and Dex, you've been linked with I've got a novel. Sherlock Holmes I've three. Got this great. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa! Come on, poker! I don't even play. Uh, I think. Go on, Dex. No, no. Oh, oh, I, I'm talking to Universal about doing something maybe in their monster universe. Uh, this is the Renfield movie. That this was is the Renfield yeah. movie. Yeah, I'm talking to those guys very seriously about that. So. Uh, that's possible. Uh, I, I've been talking to the, the Warner Brothers about Sherlock Holmes as well, perhaps down the line somewhere. Right. So, uh, well. There we go. Seems any, like any, they've made the choice for me. Any roles for this man in those? Well, this one. Yeah, this one here. Hmm. No, I'm not. It's like, <laughs> y- yes. I've got, I, yeah. Sorry, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> 
Taron, what's next for you? I think we're doing Kingsman 3. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, which which uh, is it's a weird feeling, you know, because when I signed on to play that part, it was my first film role, and I was twenty three, and I am now thirty. And um, you're not. I am. I just no. turned thirty. Yeah. Get out of town. I know. So um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very uh, I'm very excited about that. Um, I think the plan is to do it at some point next summer, um, and then beyond that, uh, I don't. No, I mean I um I, I'm working on Sing Two. I can say that, and um, uh, you know, there's the immediate hit of saying things I'm entertaining, but I'll regret it as soon as I walk off stage. So I'm not going to. Oh come on, man! Yeah, you no, can't no. come this far. You have come not, this far. I, 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 I have. <laughs> I'm already there. I'm afraid. <laughs> Hanks, stay there. Won't say me. You should have asked me. I'd like blah blah blah. Yeah, blah the whole thing. He's yeah. not going to say. <clears throat> And the last question, slightly facetious, but there you go. Um, when you are rehearsing privately with Elton John, don't let the sun go down on me. Does one of you take the El- Mr. Elton John part and hide outside the room until the other one goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John, and then you burst in? I mean, I wish. No, <laughs> no. Uh, no, I would have loved to. In fact, actually... We, it, <laughs> you, know, you turn up and you've agreed, you turn up to one of those if you get a rehearsal with him. And and it's been agreed that you're going to divide it this way. And, you know, obviously I'm spending time thinking about it before and he comes and he completely changes everything. <laughs> like six hours before you're on stage. And I'm like, um, but he's amazing. And in all seriousness, the really great thing about performing with Elton is that you always feel very... I, I, I'm always absolutely nervous and scared as hell until the moment I'm on stage with him and then it because he's so solid and secure and assured and so nurturing that um, that you're you're on you know you're never in any doubt that it's going to be fine amazing uh, on that note it is goodbye from Dexter Fletcher everybody thank you it is goodbye from Taron Edgerton <laughs> thank you And it's a goodbye from me as well. I'm going for a massage. See you later. Bye. Okay, that was our live Rocketman interview special with Taron Edgerton and Dexter Fletcher. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I want to thank a whole bunch of people. Everybody at Paramount and Freud's for making this happen. Sam Clements and the wonderful team at Picturehouse Cinemas for hosting it. Everyone who came along and who asked such great questions. And of course, Taron Edgerton and Dexter Fletcher for being so damned generous with their time. Rocket Man, in case you haven't seen it, in which case, what the hell were you doing listening to this, is out now on all formats. And hey, if you don't already listen to the Empire podcast, then what are you waiting for? There's a regular episode out every Friday, and we provide a constant stream of specials, spoiler specials, interview specials, you know, just special specials to boot. Of which this is just the latest, but not the last. Keep them peeled every day this week for a pre-Christmas bonus and then there's tons of content coming your way whilst a regular pod takes a little break post-Christmas. The last regular episode of the year is out on December 20th. You can like and subscribe once again wherever you cast your pods. Right, that's enough for me. I'm off to get Michael Stipe's email address off of Tom Hanks. It's probably losingmyreligion at AOL.com. Just a guess. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.